Good morning. How are you? It's kind of a surprise visit. I, I usually come about once a year. And uh, I was in town for a wedding last night. Our cousin got married. Is it cousin? Is that right? Okay. And, uh, I never know when it's your cousin's kids, how it kind of falls. What do you call them? They got married and it was so great. United Airlines got me here about three hours late. And uh, I walked in right as he was ki- right before they kissed the bride. So I saw the kiss. So, but my cousin ne- has never bought me a meal, and he bought a great meal last night. So I got a great meal out of the deal. It is great to be here with you this morning. Uh, Callie was uh, coming. My wife. How many of you know Callie, my wife? And her uh, her dad fell and broke his leg in two places, and she's his medical power of attorney. So she's getting him into a rehab, and he's not the most cooperative father or patient sometime. Strike that from the recording, please, just in case. So she felt like she should stay home. Hey, I need you guys to pray for our ministry. As Alan said, I lead, uh, and everyone said, I lead a ministry around the world called Prepare International. We work in, I think, 26 nations. Uh, I've been across Africa this year, twice to Europe. I leave for Asia in about 10 days. Uh, And most of the directors that helped me build the ministry have left our ministry. And this is not a bad thing. One of them, uh, the guy who directed all of our work across Asia, is now leading a large mission organization in Belize. Uh, Perhaps my right-hand guy, except for Drew Brown, who's oversaw all of Latin America and Africa. He just took over another large mission organization that's based out of the city where he lives. So I've got all these young guys that have just come on. And we're a a support-based ministry. And I took them all on by faith before they started raising support. So I'm paying all these salaries to all these young guys, and they don't have a clue as what they're doing. So I'm serious. We're in a great transition time. Uh, These young men are cream of the crop. My wife and I started dreaming about them about three or four years ago, and we started secretly interviewing. They thought I was discipling them. I wasn't. I was interviewing them, and and now they're with us. But there's an incredible financial commitment I've made. So really pray for our finances, but secondly, pray that God would raise up these young men and They would have the same effect around the world that these mature, older guys uh, have had. One other thing, I'm going to have to step out of the service right uh, not long after we're done this morning. I have a major intervention in another church uh, at one through Zoom. Uh, Been through a lot of the same things Grace has been through. And so I've agreed to meet with their entire leadership this afternoon. So forgive me. Normally, I stick around for a long time etc. It was just so fun. Let me go back to the wedding now. Uh, Open your Bible to Matthew 21. In fact, Alan said I needed to read the Bible to you, so it would be at least once. So it'd be an official sermon. And I had so much fun at the wedding last night because I was home. When mom and dad, because of dad's job, we never really had a long-term home growing up. Uh, We moved 10 times by the time I was 18. So our home was here. 
And somehow, and dad worked for an organization that knew uh, that Christmas Eve was the most important day of the year. And somehow he almost got off by noon every Christmas Eve. And we would make the trek from Texas back. And I'll never forget what it was like every Christmas Eve walking into Nanny Ethel's house. It's just like you were home. You know, the smells. I do not know how the woman cooked. I would watch her cook scrambled eggs. I would mimic it when I got home. Did it ever taste the same? Somehow her hand stirring did something to the eggs. And oh my gosh, the fudge and the, the, the millionaire clusters and the divinity and the, and then we would go over to grandma Boyd's house and, and that side of the family, they took be fruitful and multiply serious. There was about 80 of them in there and there was food and the smells and the laughter. And then we went to Nanny and Papa Jim's house. We opened gifts there. And on the drive here as kids, the expectation of stepping into those houses, it just hit us. There was so much love. There was the aromas of love in the baked goods. You know what I'm talking about? The feeling of being accepted. The, the, it was the place where family happened. It was family. And I think all of us, no matter how we grew up, whether your parents had, maybe you were in the military and you, you moved a bunch, but all of us have that place that we love to go where you just feel home. You know, Jesus had that too. First time you see him at home, mom and dad had gone up from Nazareth to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. They're on their way home, but Jesus had a different house he loved. And finally they go, where's our kid? Can you imagine, Tim, leaving one of your kids for three days and not knowing it as you're traveling from city to city? We can imagine it because I did it with Bethany once. Uh, it didn't go over well with Callie. Uh, and they get back, they find him in the temple, the house of his father. He said, didn't you know I would be here in my father's house talking about my father's stuff? And every Passover is a family. The Bible says they went there. And when Jesus began his teaching and preaching and healing ministry, you always found him at the temple. If he was around Jerusalem, you went there. The Feast of Booths, John 7, it says, and the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood up in the temple and cried, if any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He was home in the place of his father, the place where his father dwelt. Well, in this text of scripture, you find a little bit different visit. This is three or four days before the Son of Man is crucified. Matthew 20, 21, let's read verse 12 through 14. Matthew 21, I always like it when I don't tell them the scripture and it's not up there, so people can actually open their Bibles. 
And I'm going to hire someone someday who makes a phone Bible app. You notice I'm still of the old generation. I love the feel of paper and I love the sound. I'm going to find someone who can make a phone Bible app that when you press the little buttons, you hear the sound of turning paper. That is how old I am. Here we go. Matthew 21, verse 12. And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all those who were buying and selling in the temple. He turned over the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who were selling the the birds and doves. And he said to them, is it not written? My house shall be called a house of prayer. And in Mark, when you read the same text, it says, for all the people. But you're making it something else. A robber's den. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. And then it says the next thing that happens in the story is all the kids, the temple, this thing he called my father's house, The kids begin to go crazy worshiping the Son of Man. So much that the religious guys goes, don't you hear what these kids are saying about you? And he says, if they stopped, the rocks would cry out. It was a house of purity, a house of prayer, a house of healing, a house of power, a house of children uncontrollably loving Jesus. It's his father's house. And yet, the people of God were making it something other than it was supposed to be. And the son of God didn't feel comfortable that time in his own dad's house. I wonder, are we maybe making the Father's house something that he never intended it to be. They didn't have bad intentions. They just weren't connected to the Father's heart. Father, I pray in the next few moments as I share this message, it's a very unique message. I don't share messages like this often. This is about the house, not the people. I pray, Lord, that it says in the text, Jesus, Jesus entered the house. Lord, we say you're welcome. Would you have a fresh entering here? It says you begin to remove things that were in the way. And then you clarified what the Father's house should look like. I pray you'd speak in the next few minutes. We want the Father's house. In Jesus' name, amen. You know what's interesting about the text and the story? <clears throat> it's what Jesus didn't call it. He didn't say, my hotel. Did you notice that? When he was in there, he didn't say, my Father's hotel. Now, gang, I travel. I've traveled, I think, 75 days this year already. I've got all across Asia, like eight more, nine more trips this year. 
And I go to a lot of hotels. I love hotels. I got to be honest. I love hotels. I've had some great hotel experiences. Two and a half years ago, I was invited with a large Christian business to lead them across Israel. And it was the top executive and their wives, and they spared no expense. The first hotel we stayed in in downtown Jerusalem was the King David Hotel. Donald Trump stays there when he's in Israel. Bono stays there when he's in Israel. I mean, it's the place in Jerusalem. My wife and I, Callie, we go to our room and she goes, I feel so out of place here. And it was the worst of the three hotels we stayed in. I love good hotels. Now, I've had some bad hotel experiences, gang. A few years ago, we were preaching up the northern Kenya coast in the Muslim lands in Muslim Somali villages. And my friend Pat found on the Internet the Blue Something Resort. We get there and I'm looking around at the resort. And I'm, I turn to Pat, where is it? I go into my room and the water barely runs. I turn on the shower and it drips. And then my bathroom, the handle, and there's no lid on the toilet and you have to reach into this African bathroom. And you have to, yeah, and it gets better from that. Second net, I'm there, we're in the high malaria country. And I don't take malaria medicine because it kind of makes messes with me. So I have this, you know, mosquito net around me. And the second night, about midnight, I hear this. Bzz, bzz. Don't you hate that all around your head? It's like I can't sleep. So I get up, throw the net back, turn on the lights, and there are more mosquitoes per square inch than Randy inside my net. So what's the secret of getting them? You leave the light on. And they fly to the light. So I left the light on and the bugs started crawling out of the walls. I am not kidding. In about four or five minutes, I had five or six hundred bugs crawling across my body in this bed. I love hotels and I hate hotels, Tim. But you know what I love most about hotels? I don't have to do anything. Often I'm in a hotel with two beds. I can sleep in both beds and Callie, Callie will not be there to yell at me. And I can go into the bathroom. In my house, we have one towel for the whole week for Randy. I can use 60 towels in that bathroom and I don't have to hang them up. And when I wash my face and get stuff all over the mirror and shave and get stuff all over the, I do not have to clean the sink. I don't have to wipe down that at my house. Homeboy's dead if he leaves his whiskers all around the sink. You know what I love about the hotel? I'm a client. They're there for me. And I have no responsibility. Jesus didn't say, my father's hotel. And they were making his father's house something other. Could it be people come to church today as clients? And I have no responsibility. It's all about me. Another thing he did say. 
He didn't say my father's restaurant. Now, I love restaurants. Callie grew up in a family. They went to a restaurant about once a month, and it was Foxy Box Taco Shop. And they got tacos and took them home and ate at home. Now, mom and dad have refined taste buds, thank God. They like good food. And growing up, probably twice a week, uh, let's say once every week and sometimes twice a week, because mom worked uh, almost all the time. Sometimes we go and, and we went to good restaurants. We didn't go to very many restaurants where do you order off a neon sign. We got like the menu restaurants. I love restaurants. You know what I like about restaurants? I can have it my way. I can get it cooked just like I want it. And they are there to satisfy my appetites. And if they don't, I'm not going back, Alan. Because there's another restaurant right down the road. Jesus didn't say my father's restaurant. Because at a restaurant, I'm a, I'm a customer, a client. And they're there for me and me alone. He didn't say my father's restaurant. I'm wondering if we've made this like they made his papa's first house. I wonder if we treat it like a, a restaurant. It's here so I can have it my way. Get what I want. And satisfy my own desires and appetites. And if not, well, look, there's one right down the road, and I'll go there. Because it's Burger King, I want it my way. Jesus didn't say that. You know another thing he didn't say? He didn't say, my inspirational meeting. I work hard all week. Dear God, I got 97 kids. I feel like I clock into the factory when I come home from work, you know? And, and, and I come here, Come on, Alan, Tim, Harvey, fill me up. It's like a gas station. Fill me up. He didn't say that. He said, my father's, what word did he use? Everybody say it together. My father's what? House is a very specific word. It's a place where there's a home. It's a place where family gathers together. It's a place where you don't pop in, you live. It's a place where it's not all about your appetites and you're not a client or a customer. In fact, any house where you have it only your way is a house that's really messed up. You ever been in? I've been in a few houses like that. Something's off. Because family has to sacrifice and make room for the good of others. It's a place where you can let your guard down. It's a place where you see the good, the bad, and occasionally the ugly. Remember that old movie? Callie does that. We were down at... I was 
teaching the other day in McAllen. We have a school in the Rio Grande Valley. We've started schools around the U.S., and they're going crazy. And Callie does a deal with her hands, you know, and makes the Clint Eastwood. Our grandson Judah thought she had just raised from someone from the dead when she did that. He's like, oh, he's, you know, he's this tall. He's a little under two. He goes, oh, and then he starts doing his, his little hands, and he's like, To be a little kid again, huh? Where everything is just wow. But that's what a home is. It's a place where little kids live in a constant state of wow. It's where you can let your guard down and be you. It's because it's family. It's when you're loaded with sins, you can talk about it because you're not going to kick out your family. It's when you're victorious and, and, and maybe, maybe you, your brother or sister or not, you have strength to lift them up. It's family. He said, my father's house. But listen to me here with ears tuned to the Holy Spirit. If it's supposed to be a family, every family member has responsibility. Because you're not a client or a customer. You're family. In our home growing up, as soon as I was able, like probably 10, I started mowing the yard. The first seven or eight times, Dad and I were doing it together. And then he turned it over. Kim helped Mom with the house. We all helped after dinner with dishes. Mom was not our servant. She was our family. At times we pitched in. At times dad would cook on the grill so mom didn't have to. We made room for each other because the the governing principle of family is not I get what I want. It's love. Does this make sense? We weren't clients. We were family. He said my father's, what's the word? house. You notice something else he didn't say? He didn't say, my father's children's house. I'm not talking about this building. I'm talking about the gathering of people in what Jesus calls church. We could burn this thing down and find another place to meet. This is just a tool. This is the father's house. Do you understand? It's this. He didn't say my father's children's house. Okay, quiz. How many of you have ever been into a house and the kids ran the deal? It wasn't the father's house. It was Sammy and Susie's house. How long did you want to stay in that house? At least 12 seconds. Why? Because you walk in and immediately you realize something's wrong because the kids are getting their way in the house. There was a couple that worked for us. He was from a crazy family situation and she was from a very hard divorced family. 
And they talked about when they get married and have children, their kids are going to be made special all the time. Oh, they were special. They were real special. The kids ran all over the furniture. You couldn't have a conversation for less than two minutes without the kids interrupting. They're beating each other up. One of the kids came and would hit me physically. And the dad would go, oh, isn't he so cute? I said, no, he's about to be dead. (laughs) There was something off because it wasn't John and Susanna's house. It was Sam and Susie's house. And chaos reigned and there was disorder. He said, my father's house. Is this making sense to you? I never preach on the church. This this is fun for me. It's a house where father gets to choose. Where father decides. Where things are as they should be. Not in the eyes of the kids, but in the eyes of the father. Have you ever been in a house that was in order and father and mom were in control, but they weren't controlling? Do you understand what I'm saying? The kids feel so secure. They feel more at home there than in the other house I described. Because the only thing that will create order is the father, his will, his wishes, his desires. Another thing Jesus said is, my father's house shall be called. And then he defines the purpose of the father's house. A house of prayer for all the peoples. That word people is goim in the original language. It means those on the outside who don't know him yet. Why did he say that in that particular instance? Why am I using this text of scripture? I always preach from the floor. I I told mom mom and Kim, I wanted to lord over you today. And I just didn't feel very good lording up there. But I want to act this out. When, When you would go to his father's house, the temple in Jerusalem in those days, there were three outer courts. There was the court of the women because Jewish women and Jewish men were treated a little differently pre-Jesus. There was the court of the Jewish men, which was huge. But there was a third court called the court for the other peoples, the court of the goim. Those outside the faith that don't know him yet. Guess where all the booths were set up? That he overturned. They were in the court of the lost people who did not yet know Jesus. And there was no room for the lost to come in the house of his father. He said, my father's house will be called a house of prayer. Not that we're praying for them, but that you ready? That every obstacle has been removed. And somehow the house becomes a magnet for those who don't yet know him. 
I'm wondering if we've put some things in the way. I'm an elder at our local church, Church in the Rock. It's been one of the 60 fastest growing churches for the last 10 years straight. In 10 years, we baptized 7,000 new converts. Our senior leader, Jackie, it dawned on him there were so many things in the way. And they begin to tweak so many little things. On, on the first Sunday of this year, he preached. And about 15 or 20 people came forward to receive Jesus the first Sunday of this year. And there's, we were sitting right over here and there was this pretty tall, dark man, dark haired. And he says, what is your name? And he just holds the mic down and says, I'm Ahmed. I'm a Muslim. I've never been in a church till today. I want to know your Jesus. How can I find him? And I begin to weep. And Jackie begins to weep. And this proud Muslim man is shaking. He's going. He's one on the outside. We've gone from 500 people to 5,000 on Sundays. People start inviting their friends. Because the little tweaks to make, to remove the barriers. Jesus said this, the son of man has not come except to. And you know what he said? He only said it like that one time. To seek and to save that which has been lost to goim. The first Bible verse I memorized at 15 years old when I came to Jesus, this was it. The religious people were asking Jesus, why are you around sinners so much? You know what he said? This this struck me as a 15-year-old brand new guy in the family. Jesus said this, it's not the people who are well who need a doctor, it's the sick people. What have we just believed? What if we became family again? And there, there's, there's great, uh, uh, in, in Matthew and Luke and Mark, one of his parables says this wealthy father is throwing a giant feast celebrating the marriage of his son. And, and he prepares the feast for months. And then he invites all the neighbors in, and, and he looks up and there's still room. Listen to it through the heart of a father. It says, and the father calls his servants. Who's the servants of the father? The children in the house. And he says, go out into the highways and the byways and compel them to come in. Listen, so that my house may be filled. It's the Father's house. Have we made it a little bit like a hotel? You come weekly and you receive the great music and the 
the, the, the feeling of his presence, encouraging prophetic words and good messages, and yet you've taken no responsibility. Let's change. Have we treated it like a restaurant? Dear Lord, we are a restaurant. If you ought to see how many restaurants there are in Lubbock, there's 2,000 churches in 10,000 restaurants. I wonder if there's 2,000 restaurants because we think there should be 10,000. I mean, 2,000 churches because we think there should be 10,000 restaurants. I'll just go to the next one if I don't get it my way. Have you been more like a client or have you treated this like family? See, if it's family, we have responsibility. The first responsibility is to love our father passionately and to listen to what he wants. So we can make his house. But the kids always feel the best when the father's at home. Isn't that true? So our first responsibility is father. You know what our second responsibility is? It's the family. The last night when Jesus was that, I'm reading through John over and over. I'm just trying to renew my mind on some of these great themes. He washes his guys' feet. Now, they, it, it's the night of Passover. They had all bathed, and then they had ceremonial done some cleansing. And he washes their feet. He gets to Peter. Peter is a lot like Tim. Don't y'all think so? And he's kneeling at Tim's feet, Peter's feet. He says, are you going to wash my feet too? No, you can't do it. And he said, if I don't wash you, you have no place with me. He said, okay, give me a complete bath. I mean, Tim's an all-in guy. There's no halfway in you, praise the Lord. And he says, you've already had a bath. It's just your feet. What are our feet? Remember, they were sandals. There weren't nice paved roads. They didn't drive nice cars. They walked everywhere. It's where their life touched the dirt of the world. And they just felt a little bit dirty. You ever walk through your week in the world and feel a little bit dirty? Bad thoughts, anger, lust, greed. What if when we came together here or in smaller ways, we washed one another's feet? And we just walked out feeling clean again. It wasn't just that their feet were dirty. Those boys walked thousands and thousands of miles with the Son of God. Their feet were tired, weary. What would happen if every time we come together, we so loved each other that we walked out of these doors and the doors of our homes and restaurants and coffee shops, and we just felt fully alive again because we had been together. But I think above all, their feet were wounded and damaged Can you imagine walking thousands of miles on stony paths in sandals? What if every time we came together, we killed, we healed the wounds of each other's souls and lives and we walked out whole? You know what? I think the father himself would fill the house. 
because he would look and say, look at my children. It's a house that looks just like my son. So our first responsibility, if we really will be family, is father. But the second is we become the washers of one another's feet. But the third is, gang, my heart breaks when I'm standing here in worship and there's seats available. It's time to fill the Father's house. Just invite. Just invite. You don't have to be an evangelist. You just have to invite to your home group or to your house. Begin there. There's a story I told here years ago, but I, I, and I'm closing with this story. True story, there was a famous preacher from Bristol, England. He was preaching across Australia. And before he's preaching, in, he's in downtown Sydney preaching at one of the great cathedrals there. A young man gives his testimony. And the young man says, three weeks ago, I was on the corner of Queens Boulevard and a very old man tapped me on the shoulder. I, I turned around and he said, son, can I ask you a question? He said, yes. He said, heaven is real and hell is real. Do you know where you'll spend your eternity someday? And he said, God bless you, and just kind of walked off. And he said, the guy's question haunted me. I found a Christian. He brought me to the church, and I found Jesus because of one old man's question on the corner of Queens Boulevard. The preacher preaches his great sermon, and he goes to Brisbane. He steps up to preach his sermon, and then all of a sudden he thinks about the kid's testimony. He tells the story. In the middle of the story, a boy in the back goes, Oh my God, six months ago I was on the corner of Queens Boulevard. I wasn't a follower of Jesus. I wasn't in the family. The old man taps me on the shoulder, asks me the question. I couldn't get it out of my mind, and... and I'm here today, I'm saved because of an old man's question six months ago. He goes home to his home church in England. He tells the two stories. A woman holds her hands up. One of the leaders in his church, she says, 12 years ago, I was on the corner of Queens Boulevard in Sydney, Australia. An old man tapped me on the shoulder, asked me the question. I'm in God's family. He's my father today because of one question. He flies to Jamaica. In a sermon in Jamaica, he tells the three stories. At the end of the sermon, six people in the room come to him and says, you won't believe this. 18 years ago, 22 years ago, 14 years ago. He flies from Jamaica to India. He is speaking to 2,000 missionaries from all over the world who have come to India to reach people and to fill our Father's house, okay? He tells the story, 12 men stand up. After the service, he goes to lunch with the director who's been serving the Lord for 40 years in India. He says, you'll never guess, but 45 years ago, I was a lost boy on the streets of Sydney, Australia. And a young man tapped me on the shoulder. He canceled the rest of his trip, flew back to Australia, 
found the old man right before death, Mr. Ginor. And he starts telling him all the stories. And he said, sir, I calculated you've brought 146,000 people to our father's house. Mr. Ginor begins to weep. He said, when I was saved and joined the church, I just wanted to fill my father's house. So I tried to teach Sunday school. I was horrible. I tried to memorize the gospel. I botched it every time. So I memorized one question. And I just asked Jesus to point me to one person every day on the way home from work. And I would ask my question. Gang, it's time to fill the Father's house. Amen. Is this a hotel? Look, you're not clients. It's not a restaurant. You're not a customer. You're not a car and it's not a gas station. This is the Father's house. And we are His family. And I release the spirit of responsibility. Look, it's not about what you can't do. Mr. Ginor just found one little part to the great plot. Isn't that beautiful? We don't all have to be. We just have to be. Father, I love this church. I love Alan and Tim and Dad and the other leaders. I release the spirit of the Father's house here. And I release, even to those who are watching today and those who are gathered, the spirit of family. Love for one another. Washing each other's feet. Listening to Papa's voice and, and making the family the way Papa sees it. But Lord, the spirit that was on Mr. Ginor of just finding his little piece of the, his little responsibility. Lord, I release us from feeling we have to do too many things. But Lord, let the spirit of responsibility for the family come upon us. And then show us our little piece of the puzzle. And let us all join in to the Father's house. Thank you for letting me be here today, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's all stand up. Uh, wasn't that good? What a great encouraging word. And uh, this is the Father's house. And uh, everyone's important. I love that story, Randy. True story. And I think a lot of you have stories like that. And it's just encouraging to go on. So we have a ministry team that will be up front that would love to pray with you this morning. Uh, if you have any physical needs, spiritual, uh, if you want to become part of the family, be a great, great day for you to say yes and to come in. So uh, you can come up. Either team will pray for you. Um, you do. We love uh, being a part of Prepare International. We take up a, a missions offering the second Sunday of every month. And uh, we've been given to Randy and Prepare International God, 25 years probably not that many, 20-something. And so if you do, there's a box in the back. If you want to drop a check, you give online. 
And uh, I love what they've been doing ever since we met them. So uh, it's, it's a big part of who we are to, to support them and what's happening. What Randy said to us, he says to a thousand churches all around the world. And it's very encouraging. So, Father, I just thank you. And I just release your blessings and your power in Prepare and Randy and those new young, uh, young leaders that they're releasing into their ministry. And, God, we just bless them. We say multiply everything in their lives. God, we ask for thousands and thousands of churches and, and places that people can call home. Now, God, use us this week. God, give us that heart to invite people to come home. And uh, I thank you for everyone here that's been inviting and, has, and God, all the years. And I thank you for the people in the children's rooms right now in the nursery that are in the ushers that are serving and giving to all of us, God. We just thank you, King. You're the best, Lord. Amen. So uh, you're dismissed. Please come forward if you need prayer. The communion table still open. And uh, welcome home, guys. God bless you guys.